Hi, this is Edwin Crozier from the Franklin Church of Christ. In the lesson that you're about to hear, we want to take a look at one of my favorite Bible characters, King David. David was a leader after God's own heart. As we look back at David, many of us would like to be like David, but we think that, well, God just isn't going to choose us for that. Let's take a look at David and find out why God chose him to be used to God's glory. If we mirror the way David was, then God can use us as he used David. So open your Bibles and let's find out why David was a leader after God's own heart. Some people get all the breaks, don't they? I mean, just think about David, for instance. Here's this little bitty shepherd boy, and God chooses him out of all the folks in the Jewish nation to end up becoming king. How easy it is for us to take a look at these Bible characters and think that they got to be used by God for these great things simply by the luck of the draw. God had just a pot of people there, and He stirred it up and picked one out, and, and He chose David. But the reality is, the Scripture points out that God chose David because of the kind of person that David was. This was not just the luck of the draw. This wasn't just David getting good breaks, whereas sometimes we don't. God chose David because of the kind of man that David was. In fact, in 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse 14, as Samuel is talking to Saul about why God chose David, he said that God had sought out a man after his own heart. And that is exactly what David was. David was a leader after God's own heart. And if you've ever taken a look at any of these Bible characters, David especially, and thought to yourself that they were just lucky, they just happened to be the one that God chose, and, and God's not going to choose me to do any great thing. I want us to look at David again tonight and recognize that no, we can in fact, and you can in fact, be used by God to do great and amazing things, because God chooses the folks who choose Him. If we will be like David, then God can use even us to accomplish great things for His kingdom. And so I'd like for us to take a look at David tonight and what made him such a great leader, what made him the kind of person that God wanted to use to accomplish His plan. Before we do that, would you bow with me in prayer, please? Almighty Father in heaven, we are humbled by Your grace and Your mercy. We are amazed as we look back at all that You were able to accomplish through Your servant David, the youngest son in this family that had no background in Israel, and we are amazed that he could become a king and such a great king and such a great servant. Father, we pray that You would strengthen us, that we, like David, might be after Your own heart, that we would choose to serve You and honor and glorify You as David did. And Father, while we recognize that we'll never be king... We pray that You would be able to use us to accomplish Your plan so that You would be glorified as You use David. Father, we're amazed and in awe, and we're thankful for Your love and mercy, and we're thankful for the ultimate King, Jesus, who died on our behalf. And we pray that You would strengthen us always to look to Him, to always remember the sacrifice that He gave, and to serve and honor and glorify You based on that. We praise Your name, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we take a look at David and what made him such a great leader, the first thing I want us to look at is what did not make David a great leader. Some things that we just rule out, that we shouldn't worry about. A lot of the kind of things that, that we typically look at and think make people great leaders, and we might say to ourselves, well, I don't have that. 
And so this is not going to help me out at all. The very first thing we need to realize is that it wasn't David's appearance that made him a great leader. In fact, if you look in 1 Samuel chapter 16, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, Samuel has come into Bethlehem to anoint the new king. He's called Jesse's family out, and Jesse has all his kids except one. And in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 6, Eliab, the oldest, comes before Samuel, and he says, Surely the Lord's anointed is before me. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as a man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. What God points out is, the one I'm picking here today doesn't have anything to do with how he looks. Now, I recognize, of course, the text says, David was a good-looking fellow. But that is not why God chose him. And just being good-looking, despite our natural tendency toward those kind of people, and the fact that, that we might give some credence to that, God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He's not fooled by that. He looks at the heart. You'll remember Saul. Saul looked like a king in 1 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 2. In 1 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 2, it talked about Saul, the son of Kish, a choice and handsome man. And there was not a more handsome person than he among the sons of Israel. From his shoulders and up, he was taller than any of the people. So here is Saul. He was a handsome, good-looking fellow, taller and bigger, more kingly than Anybody else, and yet he squandered it because being a leader is not about how we look. The second thing that didn't really matter and had nothing to do with making David a great leader was age. It didn't have anything to do with his age. We recognize there from 1 Samuel chapter 16 that David was a young man. He was the youngest in his family. In 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 11, Samuel said to Jesse, this is 1 Samuel 16:11, are these all the children? And he said, well, there remains yet the youngest, and behold, he's tending the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we'll not sit down until he comes here. And of course, that's David, and David is the one who is anointed. We recognize in chapter 17 following this, when he ends up coming to kill Goliath. In 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 33, Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, while he has been a warrior from his youth. David was just a youth at this time. We find out that he becomes king, according to 2 Samuel chapter 5 and verse 4. 2 Samuel chapter 5 and verse 4. David becomes king. He's 30 years old. 2 Samuel 5, 4. David was 30 years old when he became king, and he reigned 40 years. Now, I know to some of you, 30 seems really old, but not to the rest of us. And just to put this in perspective, in order to be president of the United States of America, you've got to be 35. Okay? So those of you who look at some of us as being old, just remember that some of us still can't be president. Though some of you can. But we're not getting into that. But David was a young guy. He wasn't an old guy, and it just didn't have anything to do with his age regarding being a leader among men. The third thing we recognize about David that did not impact whether or not he could be a leader was his family background. David did not come from a long line of kings. David did not come from a long line of valiant warriors and thus he could be God's chosen one and the leaders. It's very interesting if you look back at 1 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 1 where we are first introduced to Saul as he's, as he's been chosen to be the first king in 1 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 1. 
It talks about his lineage. It goes back several generations. Now, there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Becherath, the son of Aphiah, the son of a Benjamite, a mighty man of valor. Now, I'm not sure if that's Kish is the mighty man of valor or Aphiah was the mighty man of valor, but the point is that Saul came from a line of a mighty man of valor. So here's not only is he handsome and good looking, but look at who his ancestors are. These are valiant warriors. But when we learn about David, for all the great things that we learn about him and, and what a mighty man he is, we find out that his family background is, is not much. When we're introduced to David in 1 Samuel chapter 17, or when Saul is introduced to David because of this issue that he's dealing with and he needs somebody to play the harp for him. In verse 18 of 1 Samuel chapter 16, it says, Then one of the young men said, Behold, I've seen the son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Now, Jesse, Jesse's just the Bethlehemite. He's not the son of anybody important. Just There's Jesse, the Bethlehemite. And he's got a son. Now, his son's a great musician, a man of valor. He's all these great things. But David didn't have the pedigree that Saul had. And it didn't matter who his parents were. It didn't matter whether or not he came from the lineage of valiant warriors. That's not what made him a great leader. It wasn't his family treatment either. It wasn't because he was treated so well. And we certainly couldn't say that, well, he couldn't be a great leader because his family treated him so poorly. We take a look at how his family dealt with him, and it didn't seem that they were all that great to David. In fact, remember in 1 Samuel chapter 16, when Samuel is coming to eat with the family, Jesse makes sure all the kids are there except one. And he gets left out keeping the sheep. Remember in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 11, Samuel said to Jesse, are these all the children? And he said, well, there remains yet the youngest, and behold, he's tending the sheep. Uh, you know, not important enough to come along and be able to eat with the prophet. We're, we've got the other boys, but, but not David. And then, interestingly, in the next chapter, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, when Jesse has sent David to go and take supplies to his brothers, bring back news to Jesse, he's there, and in verse 28 of 1 Samuel chapter 17, Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger burned against David, and he said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your insolence and the wickedness of your heart, for you've come down in order to see the battle." And I can just hear David now saying this in verse 29. But David said, what have I done now? Was it not a just question? Anybody ever felt like that? Your brothers or your sisters who are older than you are just getting all over you and you're wondering, what on earth have I done now? Doesn't that sound like this isn't the first time this has happened? He certainly was not just set up on a pedestal by his brothers and his family. And so it didn't have anything to do with family treatment. It didn't have anything to do with the way his family dealt with him as though they set him up to be this great leader. In fact, it looks like they didn't treat him all that great. It Really, it looks like he had basically a normal family, just like the rest of us. So nothing special there. And then finally, just to point this out, I'm sure you knew this, but we had to say it just to make sure. He wasn't chosen to be a great leader because of his sinlessness. Is there anyone who has not heard the story of 2 Samuel chapter 11 where David committed immorality with Bathsheba? And then he turned around and had her husband killed. David wasn't a sinless man, so God didn't choose David because he was sinless. Now, what this points out to us is a lot of the things that we think are prerequisites for being great leaders in God's kingdom, that's, 
That's not the prerequisite. It doesn't matter our appearance. It's not about our age. It's not about our family background. It doesn't matter how long our family's been in the church, so to speak. None of that matters. It doesn't matter how our family treated us when we were kids. It doesn't matter how many sins we've committed. God can still use us in His kingdom just like He used David. None of these things had a bearing on whether or not God could use David in His kingdom and to accomplish His plans. And so none of this is going to have a bearing on whether or not God can use us in His plans. And so we ask the question, well, what is going to have a bearing? What does it take? What did make David a great leader? What made him a man after God's own heart that caused God to choose him? And what keys can we emulate in David's life so that we can be leaders? Well, the very first thing that we need to recognize is that David understood throughout his entire life that his strength came from God. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, when David had decided that he was going to take out Goliath, and he went to the king to talk to him about it. In 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 33, we've already had heard Saul tell David, you can't do this. But David said to Saul in verse 34, your servant was tending his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went out after him and attacked him and rescued it from his mouth. When he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and the uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, since he has taunted the armies of the living God. You know, if he had just stopped there, we might think David was thinking just about himself, but he didn't. Look at what he said in the next verse. Verse 36, Your servant has killed... Excuse me, verse 37, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, He will deliver me from the hand of of this Philistine. Back when he was shepherding and he went out to protect his father's flocks and he was delivered from the lion and the bear, he saw God's hand in that and he says, the same God who did that is going to deliver me from this Philistine. In fact, it's a little bit more certain this time because I'm taking out this Philistine because he's attacked God. He knew where his strength came from. It wasn't from him. It wasn't because he was so great and so powerful and so mighty. It was because he was on God's side. If we want to learn to be leaders, if we want to be used by God, one of the things we have to realize is that it's not about us. And this is, this is a tough thing to realize that it's, it's not, we're not the ones who are going to accomplish it. It's God who provides the strength. And we've got to lean on God and we've got to rely on Him. Unless you believe that this was just a one-time thing for David. This is where he was when he was young. This really was something that went through his entire life. If you look in 2 Samuel chapter 16, you remember when his son Absalom rebels against the throne and David is fleeing for his life. There's a very interesting story about Shimei who begins to curse David on his way out. And in 2 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7, Shimei said when he cursed, Get out! Get out, you men of bloodshed, O worthless fellow! The Lord has returned upon you all the bloodshed of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has given the kingdom into the hand of your son Absalom. And behold, you're taken in your own evil, for you are a man of bloodshed. Then Abishai, the son of Zariah, said to the king, Excuse me, why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over now and cut off his head. But the king said, What have I to do with you, O sons of Zariah? If he curses, and if the Lord has told him, curse David, then who shall say, why have you done so? Then David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold, my son who came out for me seeks my life. How much more now this Benjamin? Let him alone and let him curse, for the Lord has told him. 
Perhaps the Lord will look on my affliction and return good to me instead of His cursing this day. David recognizes that if he is going to overcome those who taunt him, those who are rebelling against him, where is the strength going to come? From God. Perhaps God will look down upon me and will bless me. He says, look, my son is against me. It's no wonder this Benjamite, a guy who's related to Saul, is against me. But if I'm going to have victory over either one of them, it's going to come from God. That's what he's saying. David recognized his strength came from the Lord. And that was the only way he would have success. And so God could use him in his kingdom. The second thing that we learn about David is that he grew without taking shortcuts. David's entire life was one of facing up to the challenges, hard challenges. He didn't run from the challenges. He faced the challenges. And he grew without taking shortcuts. We find him in 1 Samuel chapter 17, facing up to Goliath. What a challenge that was. And yet he stood up, served the Lord, leaned on God, and he was victorious. And he grew. And we find that it didn't stop there. If we look in 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 5, So David went out wherever Saul sent him and prospered, and Saul set him over the men of war. And it was pleasing in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. After this whole battle with Goliath was done, now Saul starts setting David over people. And they're going out to battle, and he's growing, and he's leading, and he's doing what is right. Saul, even opposed to David, sets challenges before him. For instance, in 1 Samuel, Chapter 18, and verse 25. Saul then said, Thus you shall say to David, The king does not desire any dowry except a hundred foreskins of the Philistines to take vengeance on the king's enemies. Now Saul planned to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. And of course we know this word was brought to David. And in verse 27, David rose up and went, he and his men, and struck down two hundred men among the Philistines. Then David brought their foreskins, and they gave them in full number to the king that he might become the king's son-in-law. So Saul gave him Michael, his daughter, for wife. Constant challenges over and over again as he's, as he's over these men. And then, of course, when he becomes king, challenge after challenge after challenge. But he's growing and not trying to take shortcuts. He's not trying to become a leader cheaply. He's doing things God's way and simply growing as he faces these challenges. Interestingly, we take a look at 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 7. The women sang as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Because David faced the challenges and grew, the people recognized his leadership. And then we take a look at the end of chapter 18 and verse 30. Then the commanders of the Philistines went out to battle, and it happened as often as they went out that David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul. So his name was highly esteemed. Why did the people highly esteem David's name? Because he didn't take shortcuts. He faced the challenges and he grew. By contrast, think about his son Absalom. Absalom wanted to be a leader. Absalom wanted to be king. Look in 2 Samuel chapter 15. Absalom was the son of David. Eventually, he could have been king. But he didn't want to do things the right way. He wanted to take shortcuts to leadership. 
And in 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 1, Now it came about after this that Absalom provided for himself a chariot and horses and fifty men as runners before him. Absalom used to rise early and stand beside the way to the gate. And when any man had a suit to come to the king for judgment, Absalom would call to him and say, From what city are you? And he would say, Your servant is from one of the tribes of Israel. Then Absalom would say to him, See, your claims are good and right, but no man listens to you on the part of the king. Moreover, Absalom would say, Oh, that one would appoint me judge in the land. Then every man who has any suit or cause could come to me, and I would give him justice. And when a man came near to prostrate himself before him, he would put out his hand and take hold of him and kiss him. In this manner, Absalom dealt with all Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole away the hearts of the men of Israel. Absalom stole away the hearts of the men of Israel. They wanted him to be king. But it didn't last. Absalom cheated. He took shortcuts to become leader. And in the end, he lost out. Remember, the whole end of this for Absalom was he died. And when the folks realized the true leader was still David, 2 Samuel 19, you can read through it, and the people that came back to David and all the things that the people felt as they saw that David was the true leader. All the shame that they felt. For a time, those who have taken the long, arduous path of of growth might be kicked out by those who have taken the shortcuts. But in the end, it's the folks like David who always come out on top. Because the people who take the shortcut can't handle leadership. Absalom cheated. Came king for a day. But it couldn't last. God couldn't use a man like Absalom. He could use a man like David. And if we want to be used like David was, we're going to have to grow like David. I was talking to somebody the other day, talking, you know, just getting off on a little tangent here about Moses. Out here in the auditorium class, we talked about Moses last quarter and the difference between him when he was 40 and couldn't deliver the people and when he was 80 and he could. Some of these very same lessons that we're learning from David. And the point that I made is, you know, I want to be that Moses at 80 years old, but I really don't want to go through 40 years out in the wilderness shepherding sheep to do it. But I think one of the issues is, if we're going to be the kind of leader God wants us to be, the kind of person that He can really use, it takes real growth, and there just aren't any shortcuts. There's no way to sidestep this path of growth. And if we're going to be leaders, if we're going to be the kinds of servants God can use, we've got to grow without taking shortcuts. The third thing, he wasn't focused on position. I just want you to think for a moment about where David was for several years of his life. While he was a youth, we've already found out in 1 Samuel chapter 16, Samuel had already anointed him to be king. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, as a youth, he defeats Goliath and the people love him. In 1 Samuel chapter 18, he's continuing to grow in the favor of the people. And yet, not once does David step up and say, well, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be king. Even more interestingly is the fact that David becomes best friends with the guy who's next in line to the throne. And when you take a look at all the intrigue and things that happen around thrones... It's just really surprising that David, who realizes that he's God's anointed to to be the next on the throne, he becomes best friends 
with Jonathan. First Samuel chapter 18 and verse 1. It came about when he had finished speaking to Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as himself. Further, as we take a look at this, even while Saul is trying to kill David twice, David has Saul in his clutches in 1 Samuel 24 and 1 Samuel chapter 26. David has Saul in his clutches. He could kill him, and he could then go on to the throne. And yet he doesn't. Why? Well, because David is not interested in positions. David recognizes it's not about everybody seeing me as king. It's about submitting to God and doing things his way. And you just don't put your hand out against God's anointing. But how many folks today think that leadership is really an issue of position? And they'll do anything and everything so that folks will recognize them as the leader. But David wasn't into appearances. David recognized that it wasn't about his position before men. It was about his position before God. He was just going to do things God's way. And in God's time, he would get to be king. And he was happy to deal with that. If that meant for a while Saul was number one in the kingdom, then so be it. If Jonathan got to go to the throne next and it was still time before God made David king, so be it. David wasn't into the position before men. And how much we can accomplish when we are not so worried about who gets the credit for it. And how much we can accomplish and how much God can use us when we're not going around trying to make sure that everybody knows, look at what I've done. That is the kind of fellow that David was. Just going to submit to God, do things his way. The fourth thing we take a look at that made David a man after God's own heart, that made him a leader after God's own heart, that allowed God to be able to use him in the kingdom, is the fact that he was secure enough to empower others. If you look at 1 Samuel chapter 18 again, in 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 7, Remember, the women were singing about David. Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And that just sent Saul over the edge. Saul became very angry for this saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, but to me they have ascribed thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? Saul looked at David with suspicion from that day on. You see, Saul, unlike David, was very much into position. Saul, unlike David, was very much into appearances and how things looked, and he didn't like it when it looked like David was bigger and better than him. He didn't like it when it looked like it might be possible that David would become king and not his own son. Keep in mind, this is the fellow who back in 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 30, after he has just been told that the kingdom is going to be taken away from him, what he is most worried about is what the people are going to think. In 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 30, he says, I've sinned, but please honor me now before the elders of my people and before Israel. And go back with me that I may worship the Lord your God. He says, look, the elders are here, the people are here, I've sinned. If, please, just make it look good in front of them. Worried about appearances. And when it appeared that David was bigger and better, it upset him. And how, if we were king you would think that you'd be happy that you could have a guy that could slay 10,000 people on your side. But Saul wanted to be the biggest and the best 
And so now, instead of taking this David who was a great servant, who was a great asset, and training him up even more and making him even better and empowering him to do more, he started figuring out ways to try to kill him. David, on the other hand, was quite different. David didn't care if there were other giant killers in his army. In fact, he had several. If you look in 2 Samuel chapter 21. In 2 Samuel chapter 21, beginning at verse 18. 2 Samuel 21 and 18. Now it came about after this that there was war again with the Philistines at Gob. Then Sibachai the Hushathite struck down Saph, who was among the descendants of the giant. There was war with the Philistines again at Gob. And Elhanan, the son of Jair Oregim, the Bethlehemite, killed Goliath the Gittite, the shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. There was war at Gath again, and where there was a man of great stature who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, twenty-four in number. And he also had been born to the giant. When he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimei, David's brother, struck him down. These four were born to the giant in Gath, and they fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. David didn't mind having other giant killers in his army. He wasn't upset that there were these strong and mighty men. He empowered them, he strengthened them, he drew them to himself to make himself stronger, really, and make the kingdom stronger. He was willing to empower these others. In fact, we'll find the mighty men if you look in 2 Samuel chapter 23, beginning at verse 8. These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Josheb Bashebeth, a Tecumonite chief of the captains. He was called Adino, the Esnite, because of 800 slain by him at one time. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite, one of the three mighty men with David when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there to battle and the men of Israel had withdrawn. He arose and struck the Philistines until his hand was weary and clung to the sword. And the Lord brought about a great victory that day. And then the people returned after him only to strip the slain. Now after him was Shammah, the son of Agia Hararite. And the Philistines were gathered into a troop where there was a plot of ground full of lentils. And the people fled from the Philistines. But he took his stand in the midst of the plot, defended it, and struck the Philistines. And the Lord brought about a great victory. And on it goes about the other mighty men that were in his army. David, he didn't worry about how great these men might be. He wanted great men around him. He wanted these kind of people. And he strengthened them. And he empowered them. And sent them out to fight. And if we want to be the kind of leader, the kind of tool that God can use in His kingdom, then we've got to be the kind of people that are secure enough to empower others. How hard it is to hear somebody else get complimented. Oh, that so-and-so, he's the best preacher I know. Well, you know what? The rest of us preachers just have to realize that folks are going to like other preachers. And oh, that guy over there, he's the best song leader I know. Jimmy, you know, you got to... Sometimes folks are going to like other song leaders, right? I mean, not many. Not many are going to like people other than you, Jimmy, but, but a few. And oh, now this... Among the elders, now this is the elder who really is is the one who's got it going on. I mean, we all have our favorite elder. I don't. I, I love all of you the same. But the issue is how easy it is to get upset when we hear that somebody else is complimented. We've just slain our thousands, but this guy has slain 10,000. Instead of getting upset about that, that's the person we need to grab and bring onto our team because, look, if all I can do is slay thousands, I want the guy who can slay ten thousands. 
And I want to get them on my side, and we need to be working together. And that's why David was able to be used by God, because that's the kind of leader he was. And finally, we pointed out that he wasn't a great leader because he was sinless, but he was a great leader because when he was confronted with his wrong, he repented. We know the story in 2 Samuel chapter 11. We've already referred to it about Bathsheba and Uriah. And then in 2 Samuel chapter 12, Nathan the prophet comes to David and he tells this story about this little ewe lamb that's taken. And says, David, what should we do? And David says, oh, this guy's got to die. He's got to make restitution for the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and had no compassion. And then in 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 7, Nathan then said to David, you are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, it is I who anointed you king over Israel, and it's I who delivered you from the hand of Saul. And he goes on rebuking him. You're the man, David. And what's most amazing is that David doesn't get mad at the messenger and have Nathan killed. David doesn't get mad at God. David doesn't try to excuse himself. In 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 13, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And unlike Saul, he didn't try to say, but at least make me look good in front of the people. He just said, I've sinned against the Lord. I've done wrong. And then Nathan said, well, God has taken it away. You'll be forgiven. Now, there's going to be some consequences. The kingdom won't be taken away from you. David repented when he had been confronted with wrong. And he continued on serving the Lord. And if we're going to be the kind of people that God is going to be able to use, that's, that's the kind of person that we've got to be. Instead of being upset that somebody might come to us and say, you've done this. We need to be the kind of people that really want that. Because if, if we're going to be the kind of servant that God wants us to be, then we need folks to correct us and help us grow and to do what's right. And that's the kind of man David was. And therefore, God was able to use him. And so God chose him. Because David was a leader after God's own heart. The reality is, while we often take a look at folks who seem to have done well and we can look at these Bible characters and we can think that they were just chosen by the luck of the draw, that's really not the case. These folks were chosen because of the kind of people they were. David was chosen because of the kind of man he was. And God will choose us when we are like them. And it's not about all these externals. It's not about who our family is. It's not about what we look like. It's not about how old we are. It's not about... How many sins we've committed in the past. It's about how much like Jesus we are. It's about how much like God we're going to try to be. It's about how much we're going to rely on God and doing things God's way and drawing other folks to us to serve the Lord and repenting when we know we've done wrong. There are no shortcuts. I wish I could tell you that it's easy to become a great tool in God's kingdom to be a leader. There aren't any shortcuts. It takes growth and experience, which is going to mean mistakes and failures and corrections and more growth. That's just the way it works in God's kingdom. But we can be like David. And we can be used like David. And we can accomplish great things if we will be leaders after God's heart.
I hope this lesson has been beneficial to you. Let's remember what we've learned today. David wasn't chosen as a leader and a tool for God to use because of his appearance or because of his age or because of his family background or because of how his family treated him or because he was sinless. The keys in David's life that made him usable by God were the fact that David knew his strength came from God, that David grew overcoming challenges without taking shortcuts, that David was not focused on positions, that David was secure enough within himself to empower greatness in others, and finally, David wasn't sinless, but he was willing to repent when he realized he was wrong. If we can make these keys in our life, then God will be able to use us as he used David. No, we may not ever be a king of our own nation, but God will be able to use us as he sees fit to his glory, which is what we're wanting anyway, isn't it? If you have any questions about how to be a tool useful to the Master, about David, or about anything at the Franklin Church of Christ, please give us a call at 615-794-2359, or you may contact us through our website at franklinchurchofchrist.com. If someone's giving you this lesson, let me encourage you to go to our website. Again, it's franklinchurchofchrist.com. We have numerous other lessons that you're free to download and study and listen to, pass on to your friends and neighbors, do whatever you like with them, as long as it brings glory to God and draws people closer to Him. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to Him, but more importantly, may you richly bless God.